The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Maybe between the combination of having a drink or two on Friday and Saturday and then a little on Sunday, like Sunday night, I cannot go to sleep anymore. And what was it a couple weeks ago? You blamed it on tequila. I know. I don't know what it is. This is like three in a row. It's like I have like the Sunday Sunday scare. I'm like anxious and I have a hard time falling into a deep sleep. And I don't know what the hell the deal is. Well, I do know what the hell the deal is. I I think I just said it. But I need to... Contain you myself. To, you have to face Florio in mere hours from when you go to bed. <laughs> that, that, that too. It's that unsettling. Too. It is unsettling. Well, that was unexpected. I had a feeling where it was going, given the fact that we actually gave it placement at the very top of our show today. I figured it had a connection. It had a point, this meandering notion that Chris can't sleep on Sunday nights. I mean, you could say it yourself. We didn't need the clip, but then here it comes. I catch a stray from Ahmed. That's fine. I can deal with it. I know it was all in good fun. He doesn't mean it. You do. Have you diagnosed your issues? Were you able to sleep last night? Uh, To a degree. Like, I was better. I did not have a Sunday drink, right? So I usually do have, like, a Sunday drink at some point in the late afternoon, right, when the day settled down a little bit. I didn't do that. So I slept better last night. I did, but I still have this, like, wake up at 4 a.m. and, like, all the thoughts of the week rush through my brain, right? Like, it's like, okay, wait, I still got a whole bunch of safeties to watch for the draft, and, you know, I got to do this interview and this. It's just like, I, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, it's, I just sit there for the last hour and a half before it's time to get up at 5.30 for the show. So it was better last night, but still not, like, not ideal, not perfect, certainly not. We don't have real jobs. We don't have real jobs. See, you can't relate because you've never had a real job. You don't know what stress is until you try to sleep on a Sunday night before you have a trial starting the next day or if you would have surgery the next day or have to do anything other than talk about football the next day. I don't want to downplay your issues of settling into middle age. Right. 
But we are fortunate that what we do ultimately does not affect anyone else in a significantly negative way, unless, of course, we oh, say something Oh, come on. You're getting coaches fired on a yearly basis. You're crazy. What are you talking about? You're crazy. <laughs> well, I am. Yeah, yeah. I've been, oh, okay. like, as if the anyone listens serious. to me. You're crazy as to if say that. I take it serious. I take it serious. I do. All right. I work hard I appreciate. I appreciate okay. the fact I mean, that, that you take it seriously. I I'm appreciate stre- I'm stressed about still. the draft right now. I mean, you ask my family. I'm sitting there on a Sunday morning at fucking 1030 in the morning, right, and sitting there breaking down Oh, here we go. There you go. So you can tell me how serious you you want you know that it is it is serious to me because it's my life so i want to keep it going i mean but I, why but why are you stressed why are you stressed about the draft apparently you're not stressed about dropping f bombs three minutes into a show on nah, Monday. Maybe we're on the, the peacock things. they moved us to peacock this is what they get they get the peacock mouth okay uh yeah i, I mean because I, you know how it is mike anything i want to be right i want to do my job the right way i want to be able to speak about it intelligently and 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 be able to lead listeners and whoever else out there in the right direction. I mean, my, what, my name is on it. I mean, what are you talking? I make one mistake in the draft. That's all I ever hear about. I mean, Zach Wilson, forget all the other things I've gotten right over the years. Zach Wilson and Chris Sims, that's all that matters now. He's an idiot. So that's what motivates me. So there is that pressure. So, you know, kiss my butt on a Sunday morning with that or Monday morning with that comment. <laughs> well, but th- the reality is it's. Look, you're just doing the best you can to set your own personal board. You're no different than any of the 32 teams. You're a one-man band setting your right, own board. Right, right, And what you think of these guys is just part of the equation. And, and look, I, I try to get people to understand all the time that it's not just the selection that is a projection, despite everything that the player has done in his entire life leading up to the moment that his name is called right. in the first round, second round, third round, et cetera, the draft. It's a projection. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. And the other part of that formula is what does the team that selects the player do to develop him or not develop him? Right. Did they put him on the field? Before they should have. Did they wait too long? Did they wait not long enough? Did they wait just the right amount of time? What kind of stuff is happening behind the scenes? What kind of support system does he have? How does his family factor into it or not factor into it? How do his own, his own life experiences living in a town he may not have ever wanted to live in? This gets back to my soapbox issue that kids should get to pick where they want to play in the NFL, not the other way around. There are a lot of factors that can conspire to keep a guy from being yeah, no the doubt. guy you thought he was going to be or the guy that anyone else thought he was sure, going to be. I sure. mean, the Jets did him did take him second overall, and he was going second overall regardless of whether you chimed in nah, or not. You're right. I know. So you're exactly I don't right. understand. I know. I don't understand yeah. what the issue is. Yeah. If if you regarded him highly, everybody regarded him no, highly. It just I, hasn't I worked out, and I, it may not be his fault. No, I, I hear you. You're right. You're right. I'm just giving you an example of why I put pressure on myself or why it was important to me. Right. You're you're you're, you're now, right. Now, Kellen Mond is a different story altogether. <laughs> yeah, there 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 uh, we can totally <laughs> criticize me for sure, a hundred percent. But yeah, you know, Mike, it just it, it is. It's self pressure. It's I know you have this in you as well, where you want to. When you're writing an article or you're flushing out a subject that's very important, you want to do it to the best of your ability. 
and I do want to do it to the best of my ability. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a guy that's got a lot of friends in the league, and uh, I, take it, I take it serious. So that, that's where I, I guess I get pressure on me. It's just the, the amount of names and things like that, that's what starts to get on you. And I'm, I'm, I'm cracking it down here to where I'm down the list at the very – I'm at the end. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, so I, I really can't wait for that. And, and look, I mean, I'm 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 poking fun, just you know, I know, I know, because that's what I do. I, I understand know. that you care about what you do, but there is a sweet spot, yes, that you want to find where there you're is. able to sleep at night, right? So, right, that's for you to figure you out figure at some out. point between forty-two and fifty-seven. Maybe <laughs> yeah, by fifty-seven, you get to the point where you can fall asleep <laughs> last night. Meanwhile, I just couldn't fall asleep last night because I couldn't fall asleep last night because I took too long of a nap. Yesterday afternoon. That's the best thing about the off-season Sundays. When I start feeling a little tired around 2 o'clock, I don't have to go drink a cup of coffee right. to stay awake. I just go to sleep. The problem is when midnight rolls around and it's time for me to get my five or six hours before it's time to get up and keep going, I'm laying there staring at the ceiling because I took too long of a nap yeah. in the afternoon. Yeah. And I was so- – I have been waking up without the alarm. I got that brand – see, having that new – Alarm clock right. from a few weeks back. Right. And I don't have to go through the whole thing of checking the clock. It's so easy you to just, just look wake over, up. see it. I was check- yeah. Reaching, finding my phone and pressing right. the button and right. then making sure the phone's back on the charging pad so it doesn't die. That's one of my big you know, concerns. My phone's going to die in the middle of the night and it's not going to wake me up. But I see that time and I do wake up multiple times and then go back to sleep. But I inevitably wake up between five and six and roll out of bed and... Off we go with Wait, the day. So, so how long was the nap today yesterday that you that it made you uh, like affect? You're usually ra- around like an hour, right? That's kind of like what you do. Fifty yeah. minutes somewhere in that. What 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 happened yesterday? Well, today I, I mean yesterday it was like an hour and a half, and then I laid there in bed and finished reading a book that I had been working on, and so it it even it was like two hours. Yeah. By the time I rolled out of right. bed, so right. it was one of those days where like you Good just lazy feels day. like it's all. A blurb. I still, I still was highly productive. I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna concede the point that I did nothing yesterday. The work at PFT speaks for itself, and I worked on some other stuff, so I, I was productive, but I did take a, a nap in the middle of the day that, that kept me from, from falling. Good for you. But good. Fortunately, I'm I glad the rest of your to, weekend went good. I've, I've yet to have to get up, you know, multiple times in the middle of the night to go take care of business. Although I feel like I'm jinxing myself and tempting fate by gloating over the fact <laughs> yeah, that it keep gloating on that I one. don't have to pee <laughs> multiple times per night, unlike you and unlike others. And yeah. I listen, I Ugh. don't take it for granted. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that because every trip to the bathroom in the dark is an invitation to, you know, fall down or walk into a well, closed door or otherwise injure yourself. That's another reason I think that I do have the little sleeping problem on Sunday, too. It's just like it's Sunday. You know, it's it's okay. Saturday night, I've had fun. Usually on a Saturday, I work out pretty hard. I think I drink too much water too. So like, yeah, on a Sunday night, I have way too many. I'm at that age that we talked about where you drink an, an extra cup of water before you go to bed, and it means two trips to the bathroom right now. I'm, I'm amazed that you don't have to deal with it, but I'm dealing with it, and it's definitely a part of my like whole wake up in the middle of the night. There's only so many times you can go take a pee in the toilet and think that your brain's not going to turn on and start going like, you know, with some random thoughts or something. Right. And it just seems to catch me that one time every now and then. 
And it is important that you add it in the toilet after taking a pee because we have both <laughs> yeah. admitted in the past to peeing in places other than the toilet, although we Toilet's were optional. considerably younger for me. It was the garbage can, so I wouldn't miss any of the cartoons on Sunday or Saturday morning when I was five. And for Chris, it was off the front porch just because he liked it and he would have probably continued to do it and would still be doing it today if it didn't kill the grass. If the grass became more green and more lush, he would have just been peeing all over the whole hey, yard like a sprinkler, but he killed the grass and, <laughs> yeah. and he got busted and and uh, no more peeing <laughs> off the porch. Okay. Uh, it's Monday edition of PFT Live, Peacock Series XM85, Sky Sports Action, if they actually run this today. I've been getting scattered complaints. Some days we're on, some days we're off. And folks, I appreciate that you care. I appreciate that you do, but there isn't a damn thing I can do about it. I have no problem with you telling me, but there isn't a damn thing I can do about it. If they run the show, they run the show. If they don't, they don't. I can't control it. I can't do anything about it, and I've given up trying. So if for some reason you are among our friends throughout the U.K. and Ireland who aren't able to see the show. Now, there's some on-demand service through Sky that someone pointed out to me that it, it apparently is there even if they don't put it on the air. That's for you to find because I don't know. But also, you can get it on podcasts. You, you, there's YouTube clips. There's other places. If you really want it, the time that you spend complaining to me is time you could spend finding it elsewhere. But still, Please feel free. No, we feel free we to appreciate it. To me. I, I, I'll, I'll be the pin cushion. I wonder why we're not on certain times, or it's not. There's no warning or whatever else. I wonder what's going on there. I mean, I, I hope it's not like oh they swore this many times today on the show, so now we can't put it on tonight. I hope it's not no, that because they don't bleep it. They don't bleep it when we do. Nobody's right, paying good. attention. Good. I just think I think that that plenty of the folks in the UK who aren't ardent fans of the NFL, those who are, understand. That just because of the off season doesn't mean you shut it down. Right. I, I've said before they changed the name of the channel we're on from Sky Sports NFL to Sky Sports Action when it's not football season. Their next step in the evolution of becoming true football fans is to call it Sky Sports NFL all year long and yeah. to have NFL programming right. all year long because there's something happening all, all year, year long, long, except for the middle of June to the middle of July. Right. So if you're if you're a football fan, you want it all year long. That's why I don't I don't mind. I mean the zeal that causes people to complain to me is the same zeal that causes them to watch the show. So I'm not complaining. They complain, but I am saying this. There isn't a damn thing I can do about it. Go ahead and keep complaining to me, but there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I will do. I've given up even forwarding the emails because I know that it has no impact. It has no power. It has no anything. I just move on to the next email that, that comes through the stack. So anyway, uh, if, if it's not on Sky Sports Action today or any other day, podcast, YouTube. And, and as I mentioned, and, and maybe I'll, as a public service to the folks who would otherwise watch the show on Sky Sports Action, I'll find out exactly what the name of the on-demand location is on your Sky server or wherever, however, whoever you can get it because it's there. What a nice Someone guy. Someone told me, but uh, that's all I know about it. All right, let's get to it. Well, we want people to watch the yeah, show. I mean, course. again, we want, you know, as we, as we uh, prattle through this first 10 or some days 15 minutes of nonsense we we still ultimately want people to not change the channel and uh surprisingly i get i get plenty of feedback from people who who like that which i don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing do they like to hear us talk about stuff other than football and then when we talk about football they're like oh god now i don't want to <laughs> yeah, hear these right. idiots talk about football anymore they don't know what they're talking about i'd rather hear them talk about nothing they're experts on talking about nothing they know nothing let them talk about nothing all right let's get to something that's happening in the nfl and here's a clip that comes courtesy of. And this is a fairly circuitous route that I wasn't aware of. 
There was something on CBS called the Sports Fishing Championship, the catch competition. Right. DeAndre Hopkins was there, and as part of it, he was interviewed by Bryant McFadden, who does the All Things Covered podcast with Patrick Peterson. Now, we apologize to those who are listening. We'll explain afterward what the body language is, but this is McFadden asking DeAndre Hopkins about multiple teams that he possibly could be traded to and requesting a body language-based reaction from Hopkins. Here it is. Rumors about trade. You don't control that. Of course not. So I want to play another game with you, right? All right. I don't want you to verbally answer this question. I'm going to name some destinations. I want your body language or your facial expression to determine, like, ooh, would I like that spot if the Cardinals want to trade you? First destination. We're going to go with the New England Patriots. All right. Second destination. We're going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Third destination. We're going to go with the New York Jets. Last destination. We're going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, you know, some of the, 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 the best answers are the answers where you don't hear anything. That's pretty good. And again, anyone listening on Sirius or on the podcast heard nothing here. My interpretation of it, and I have confirmed this with a panel of experts, Patriots, Jets, no thank you. Yeah, no thank Chiefs, you. Bills, please, please. yes, I'm right. very interested. Yeah. Now, now, there could be other teams interested in him. There could be other teams he's interested in. It was just four, but Pats, Jets, no. Bills, Chiefs, yes. Yeah, I mean, not shocking, right? I feel like we'd hear just about every receiver that became available – you know, or was thinking about being traded, those would be two teams that would be at the top of their list, right? I mean, everybody wants to play with Mahomes right now. And if you're a DeAndre Hopkins type of football player and you get to go to the Kansas City Chiefs, you're going to be the number one guy. So for that, that's exciting For in that scenario. Whoa, I can go there, like, and, and yeah, I don't have to, like, have all the pressure of, like, wait, I got to go 1,500 yards and all that. But I'm going to be a main part of the offense and the go-to receiver, along with Travis Kelsey, the go-to tight end. So, yes, I'm not shocked by that. And, I mean, as we talked about with other receivers and teams and everybody else, too, uh, the, the, uh, yeah, the, everybody recognizes that Buffalo needs something else at that position. I, it's one of those things that I feel like everybody recognizes except for Buffalo. It's, is, is it me or does it seem like that sometimes? Right, but uh, I, I, so I'm not shocked by that either. There's a need there, and of course, yeah, maybe you're not the number one, but you're one A up there, and you become an awesome combination with Stephon Diggs. So uh, I get that from DeAndre Hopkins. I'm sure you do too. I wonder if it's stubbornness that yeah. they don't want to give in when everyone is saying you need to get some help at receiver, you need to go get a veteran to go along with Stephon Diggs. The Gabe Davis isn't the guy that we thought he was going to be after well, the four-touchdown performance in right. the playoffs over against the Chiefs more than a year ago. I, I don't get it. And, and look, there's been some chatter. Maybe they're going to draft somebody. They have to be thinking about their number one option post-Diggs. I don't know how much longer Diggs is going to be the number one guy. Beyond the fact that he's getting older, he seems to be getting a little impatient, a little restless in Buffalo. We've talked about that. We've seen that. They need to be developing – their next number one guy. And until then, he can be a compliment to 
to Stephon Diggs. But, I mean, look at what Joe Burrow has in Cincinnati and look at what Josh Allen has in Buffalo. Beyond Stephon Diggs, what's there? Who's there? And I don't know that Hopkins is the answer, but at least they could be evaluating the possibility of DeAndre Hopkins. That would be a suitable combination for a year. Definitely. Diggs and Hopkins as the primary receivers catching passes from Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, it would change our, our thought of their team overall, right? Now you think of Gabe Davis a different way, and you go, whoa, okay, wait, now he's a number three? That Oh, I like that. Okay. And then, then maybe they draft somebody, or whether it's a running back or another receiver in the draft, and all of a sudden you start to go, whoa, wait. There's something elite about this phase of their football team. See, that that to me a little bit – and I had this conversation with my dad actually over the weekend. It's funny it's even coming up. And, and just that a little of like, you know, Buffalo seems like they're a little bit stuck in a phase of like, hey, we want to make every part of our team good, right? We want to make it all, you know, good. But we got to worry about sometimes there is it just becomes all average, you know, and, and I don't know. Right now they're in a, in, a, in a window with that quarterback where I'd go, just go all in on the quarterback and the offense and just put, put the pressure on people through the quarterback and the offense, just like we saw the Dolphins do last year or we've seen the Chiefs do in years past where, yeah, that's so good that a team has to change the way they play the game and it actually your defense is okay because the other team's playing a, a way or a style of football they don't want to play because of your offense. I don't know. That's a little bit of my just two cents on Buffalo there. But it would make sense with DeAndre Hopkins up there, no doubt. And, of course, the Chiefs would too, Mike. It's just like what's it going to take to get it done to get DeAndre Hopkins at this point, I guess, is the big question. One thing that we said when the Bills were potentially possibly linked to OBJ, yeah. the Von Miller experience, I think, has left them a little bit yeah. hesitant Agree with to you. make a move like that. Because you're right. It seems like they're willing to spread out right. average to every position. You got me there? Instead yeah. of compromising a little bit right. in one spot of the roster in order to be great in another. And sometimes you need to be great in one yes. for the team to be great. And you have to do the best you can with what you have exactly. at the other position. Right. Whether that's having confidence you can draft somebody who could be developed quickly. A guy you really like who slips to round five, who could come in and be a starter at safety or wherever wherever offensive line a guy that we really like we have confidence in our ability to identify a player make a good projection and develop him into the player he can be so we can we can spend on a deandre hopkins like we spent on von miller or spend on an obj or spend on whoever go all in for greatness in one spot in the roster right and deal with whatever we have to deal with to balance out the whole cap load. I, I just feel like what happened with Vaughn Miller last year, because I think they reluctantly embraced it last year with Vaughn Miller, and now I feel like they're, uh, see, we shouldn't have done that. See, we're going to back off now. We're going to draft and develop, draft and develop, draft and develop. We're not going to make any big moves. I feel like that's the psychology that's oozing out of the organization who knows, I, I, who knows? I but I all we can do is judge there. them based upon what they do and don't do yeah right I, I mean I, I don't disagree with that that thought maybe it got them a little gun shy it hasn't seemed to be kind of their you know mo to begin with up there in buffalo with this regime right but i think they're at a time where like we're, we're discussion hey what got it going some splash moves to trade up and get josh allen a splash move to trade and get stuff on digs that's when it all changed that's when we all started to go Ooh, whoa there's a big splash over there buffalo watch out 
Well, they gotta they gotta add to that. I think that's what you know we're looking for. Or maybe you know, a little frustrated with with uh, the Buffalo Bills football team. But so the next phase is then with this DeAndre Hopkins conversation, Mike. I mean, the price is fine for DeAndre Hopkins. I can't imagine anybody being worried about paying him that money at this point of his career. I mean, 19 this year, right? Is it around 14 and change next year, if I remember correctly, Mike, right? So it's yes. in that ballpark for that kind of a player. I don't think that's a bad price at all. I think it's just all about what are they going to ask for in the trade value, and that's where it's going to get a little dicey in this conversation. $19.45 million for 2023, $14.92 million for 2024, the two remaining years, on a contract that had a new money average of $27 million when it was signed, but that new money average can be hocus-pocus and make a deal seem worth more than it is. Bottom line, we're in the final two years, and anywhere close to 27. The average is, what, around 17 Yeah. when you look at the two years combined. And that's where it got interesting yesterday. See, the video surfaced of his body language, facial expression exercise with Brian McFadden, people were talking about it, people were speculating, and people have speculated, and I think this is accurate. When you negotiate a contract without an agent, you get toward the end of it and you hire an agent, you're not hiring, what are you hiring an agent for? Hiring an agent on an expectation that you're going to get a new contract. And we have assumed, based upon the spike in the market last year at the receiver position, and now he's no longer the highest paid guy, he wants more money. That led to his tweet that appeared... Within, I don't know, an hour or so after that video started to take right, DeAndre Hopkins tells the world he's not looking for a raise in his own unique way. Hopkins isn't looking for a raise, signed Nuke. So that's his, his nickname. So that was the tweet that landed, and re- we reacted to it. We wrote something about it. I mean, it's a guy's own voice, guy's own words. With a blue check, a real blue check, not an $8 a month blue check, a legacy blue check. They're supposed to all be gone by the 20th. I think they got some work to do in the next three days. That's a different issue altogether. But that's DeAndre Hopkins. That's him saying he doesn't want to raise. Now, now. okay, fine. My first thought is my first thought is this. You can say I don't want to raise, but but you can also want every penny of the next two years to be fully guaranteed. You can want that. Currently, he's got no guarantees. So sure. he could want that. He could want the last year to be ripped up. He could just want to do one year at 19.45 and then become a free agent. There are other ways to want adjustments to exactly. your contract right. without more money. Or you could also say, I want an extension. It's not that I want to raise. I just want an extension. And with that extension, we come significant guaranteed money in the That's form right. of a sizable signing bonus. It's an extension. You know, I still have my current contract. I'm not getting a raise on my current two years. I'm getting an extension. So... You can play word games with that, and the bottom line is it was gone not long after it was posted. So the agent that he now has, my guess would be, got in touch with DeAndre Hopkins and said, you're not making my job any easier by saying you don't want to raise. Why are we giving that up? Just because we haven't found a trade yet doesn't mean we're not going to find one. Doesn't mean we're not going to get you a raise. Don't concede that. If you concede that point, then they're going to start asking you to take less money. Well, I I don't know if that'll happen, but you're I mean you're right. It was a little peculiar, right? That 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 it gets deleted like right after that. And I mean one, I mean I I think that's you know kind of the elephant in the room with this conversation too with with DeAndre Hopkins. So I can understand him wanting to put that thought out there. 
You know, I, 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 that's what if like you're asking me about the DeAndre Hopkins conversation, and I want, I want the player. I'd want him, no doubt about it. At this price, sure. All right, so what do I got to trade to get him? Okay. All right, so there. Oh, wait, so so wait. There's no new money thing right now at this moment. Uh, that adds to the value of wanting him. Like that, that they're like right now he doesn't want to raise. I'm with you. I mean that that's such a loaded statement. Like okay, he doesn't want to raise right now, but once he hits like 1,200 yards next year and it's week 15, he's gonna say, hey, I think next year I need a raise for my one year left of my contract. I mean that's coming. Like you said, all the signs point to that was with. with you know, signing uh, the the new agent, but but at the same time, that being put out there like that, you know, I I would think would increase the suitors to go. Okay, wait, it's not a new contract thing right now, right this second. Uh, but obviously, he didn't feel confident about leaving that one out there. I think it may have just been a manifestation a mo- of a- whatever anxiety he's feeling yeah. as he's. He's been on the market now. He's been available. Everybody knows he's been available and no one's biting. And I think at this point, nothing's going to happen until after the draft when teams that may want to upgrade at receiver aren't able to get the guy they want. Then they turn their attention to DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, we're also getting toward Julio Jones territory as well. And when Jones was traded by the Falcons to the Titans a few years ago, he went through the door with his current contract and the thinking was he would have a big year and then look for more money after that the problem is he didn't have a big year with the titans the problem right. was it was a failure an embarrassment one of the moves that undoubtedly contributed to the firing of john robinson a, a move that i don't think coach mike vrabel was ever all that interested in yeah, making right it's the mirror image of trading aj brown trading for Julio Jones, giving up draft capital for an expensive aging player whose best days were behind him, that wasn't a good idea. But what happened with Jones, the trade market developed after the draft and after June 1. And that $22 million in dead money that the Cardinals are going to take when they trade, if they trade DeAndre Hopkins, that gets cut right in half. He's got two years left on his deal with a $22 million dead cap charge. When there's two years left on the deal, it goes 50-50. This year, next year, if they wait until after June 1. At this point, why wouldn't you wait until after June 1 if you're the Cardinals? You're looking at $30 million in cap charge if he's on the team, 22 if he's traded pre-June 1, 11 if he's traded after June 1. Now, I don't know that the Cardinals really care right now. I think that those finer points of cap management, they don't have the luxury of even worrying about. I think they're just trying to figure out how to tie their shoes right now. But but still, I think we're getting toward the point where why not wait until after June 1, if you're the Cardinals, to finalize this trade? And then Hopkins joins a new team. Yeah, he's going to miss most of the offseason program, but a seasoned veteran. He probably didn't want to be there anyway at this point. Let him show up for training camp and get ready. But I don't know where it's going to be, and I think these complications – contribute to the fact that it hasn't already been done yeah and I and agree. i look at it this way too, all of us you know we say 19.45 is a pretty good deal for him i'm having trouble reconciling that with being stunned that odo beckham jr can make up to 18 million and i know he hasn't played much the last two years but i think if beckham is healthy and that may be a big if you're right but I know. Well, yeah, Odell Beckham Jr. healthy right, is one of the greatest things we've ever seen. I mean, there's a reason we were through four and five years in the NFL going, is Odell Beckham Jr. going to break all Jerry Rice's records? I mean, he was on a pace that we have never seen anybody on. 
I mean, and it was whatever way you wanted to do it. So I, I know what you're saying there. I hear you. I mean, Beckham's high-end talent, of course, I, I would agree with you, and I think what you're saying, it's, it's up there with anybody when we know he's all systems go healthy and, and really at his best, like we saw before he hurt his knee in that Super Bowl game. We were sitting there going, oh, my gosh, Odell Beckham Jr. looks like he's got another gear that a lot of these guys don't on the field. You know, so he is special that way. Hopkins, you know, maybe doesn't have that potential, that high-end potential that way, but damn, he's still good. Damn, he's a proven commodity still. And, Mike, I think he's better than – I think he's a, 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 a clear notch or two above where Julio Jones was when he got traded from Atlanta to Tennessee. That, that was a weird trade. I mean, Atlanta was telling you that Julio was not the guy anymore. They were feeding Calvin Ridley. He was the guy at that time, if you remember. And, you know, this is just how I work and connect dots. You know, when Hopkins got suspended this year, he missed the first six game. And this just tells me this is why, you know, hey, I can see it with my own eyes. But to tell me that the team thinks he's got it too and all that, as soon as he came back in the lineup, they were like, every play for him, every play for him, he's still the man. We see it at practice. He's the man. Nobody can cover him. We're going to make every play for him to be the first read. And he, of course, had a still a damn good year with missing six games. So I, I do still think he has it. He's not going to catch sixty or six yard slants and take it sixty yards of the house, but he's still really good. That price tag is good still too, Mike. Um, but yeah, I think all the things you mentioned are the things that make it dicey, hairy, whatever. To where I don't know when this gets shaken out or when this actually happens. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I love my cat, Tiger. And as my best friend, we speak our own language. What's that? You love your litter. He does, because I use Fresh Step Outstretch Litter. It absorbs 50% more waste and odor and requires less changing compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Less changing means more time playing. <laughs> right, Tiger? <laughs> That's a yes. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Cat Litter in the pet aisle. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. He had 721 receiving yards last year in nine games. That doesn't sound like much, but it projects to 1361 Damn good. on a 17-game right. season. So per game, he was doing pretty well when he did play. But you had the injury issues that caused him to miss six games in 2021. I got my numbers wrong. It's 717, not 721. But still, it's it's we're, yeah, we're we talking about 1,300 right. yards. Um, 
but you've got injuries that caused him to miss games in 21 and yep. then a PED suspension for 22. That's a red flag, even though his position is he didn't do anything deliberately. And, of course, everybody who ever gets popped for PED said they didn't do anything deliberately, so it's impossible to know who's telling the truth and who isn't. But, you know, he's going to be 31 in June. you got to factor in the possibility that that you're acquiring an asset that is depreciating, that is declining, that is in the process of not being what it used to be. Yeah. And again, 19.5 for him, 15 for Beckham. And and the Ravens didn't have to give up anything to get no, Beckham. No, well, yeah, I hear you. It's no. a risk in both cases. There's yeah. a risk in both cases. And when you consider, and I think we kind of agreed a couple of weeks ago, that that high-end receiver money is reserved for the best of the best Right now, not what used to be the best of the best or what could be the best of the best, but right now, the elite best receivers in the NFL, because there's too many receivers coming out in the draft every year, not just the top guys, the lesser known guys who end up becoming great third rounders, second rounders, fourth rounders, whatever. There's just too many pass catchers to justify breaking the bank on Beckham, breaking the bank on Hopkins. And I just I, I think at some point, at some point. His best option is going to be on the table, whatever it is. His best option is going to be there, and he has to ask himself, do I take it or do I not take it? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, yeah, lost in all this is the Cardinals. Well, that's what I'm saying. I get the feel that I he'll take Brian anything. Fadden had asked him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I wish he'd asked him about the Cardinals and see yeah. what his reaction was to that. Yeah, I have please. a feeling it's a given that it's drop the mic and walk away if the Cardinals are the opportunity. Right. It, it seems like, I mean, you know, we're going to talk about another guy here in a minute. They got they got issues there. The, 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 the wrong signals are being sent to the older veteran players that they feel like, all right, the hell with this. I don't want to be here anymore. He doesn't. So I think he's willing to take anything. But, you're, Mike, I think, you know, you explained it right. I think we're, it, it's the balancing of the age, the injury history, you know, the compensation for what you got to trade for the guy and then the look down the road of, wait, if we get this guy and he's good, we're going to get to December and he's going to ask for a new contract and we're going to have to pay him and he's, or, you know, we're going to have to balance out what we traded for him and all those things. Is it going to be a one-year rental? Are we going to pay him? And how much are we going to pay him? Because to Mike Florio's point, it is 31, and this is the time when receivers who especially have been injured start to go downhill a little bit, and do we really want to invest a lot of money into that guy? That's the thing teams are going to balance it out. I think we flush that out. And I'm with you in the fact that I think it's probably after the draft as well. I think that's when teams will probably be the most desperate and Arizona will probably get the you know best deal for their money or at least the way they look at it uh, at that time when that team can go to OTA's minicamp and go, whoa, wait, we definitely need a receiver and we need a veteran one at that and that's where the value of Hopkins might come into play. Hopkins wants out, presumably, based upon all this chatter and discussion. Buda Baker, no presuming to be done. Boom. He reportedly has asked the Cardinals to trade him and uh, who knows what they'll do. Maybe they'll say they have no intention to trade him. That's always the key. Trade is coming. But are, are we surprised that veteran members of a team that seems to be rapidly in decline? They started the 2021 season 10-2. and two. Since then, it has been one thing after another, one loss after another, key injury after another. They don't know when Kyler Murray is going to be back. Coaching change that feels, frankly, all due respect to Jonathan Gannon, uninspired. The issues with Michael Bidwell, the allegations against him, just the sense 
that this organization, I didn't even mention the F minuses on the NFL. That's what I mean. I was going to say that too. Right. It's just, it's all just falling apart. And I know that it's not universal. Zach Ertz carrying the water for the franchise last week, (laughs) saying that things are already better. Not as if they could be much worse, but (laughs) it's just indicative of a losing team. And you get these guys that are deeper into their career. They see their contemporaries competing for championships. They're, they're passionate about what they do. They want the most out of their careers. They want to build a legacy. And if you're Buda Baker, DeAndre Hopkins, any other veteran player with the Cardinals right now, it's easy for Zach Ertz because he's got his ring. Right. The guys who don't have rings, they're realistic. You look around in Arizona. When can we reasonably expect to be competing for championships? Not in my football lifetime. Right, I'm just part of the foundation they're laying to be good somewhere else. Right. Well, so you're not even going in your football lifetime. You don't know if they're gonna. Oh, you mean that for them, their perspective? I thought you were talking about you. I'm talking like, about them. I was going. Damn, you really have no hope. Possibly for them. not in my. You don't lifetime. think you're gonna turn it around in the next twenty to thirty years here in Arizona? Uh, uh, but. But yes, but doesn't it doesn't it feel like the good years over the past 15 have been the aberrations? I felt like it was a change. Right. I felt like the Cardinals were finally adjusting. They just got lucky. They had Kurt Warner and Kurt Warner caught fire at a time when nobody wanted Kurt Warner. They got lucky. They got I, Bruce I, I Arians, think a lot of who what I they, think added, you know, right, some Arians. juice for a few years, right? They just, yeah, they've hit, they've for hit, a few, and then that petered out, right? They've hit jackpot maybe, you know, a few times with a few certain individuals that gave them a little pizzazz or life. But you're right, it's nothing sustainable uh, as an organization. And yeah, I, I mean, I understand where Buddha Baker's coming from, or DeAndre Hopkins. They're in the same boat there. They're looking at it, going, wait, totally new regime. You know, everything's changing. J.J. Watt retired. You know, we traded Chandler Jones the year before that. Byron Murphy Jr., we didn't re-sign him. I mean, you know, what direction is the offense going in? We went all in for the Cliff Kingsbury offense. Are we still running that? I mean, there's so many questions with Arizona, let alone just the roster and the players. And Buda Baker, who's what, going into, is it year eight this year? Right? Yeah, to your point. I mean, he's coming down the home stretch. He's a car crash psycho Tasmanian devil safety that's awesome to watch, but damn, he can't play forever. So he wants to get on, you know, be on a team that's that's good and be in the the big games in late December and January. I get that. Um, so this will be another interesting one, and it's not a very good safety class in the draft, Mike. So I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a it's planned out. He knows it's not a great safety class. So he's, they're hoping a team that needs one really bad will just get him instead of even thinking about drafting one of these guys. And, you know, the bottom line, too, is they have a new GM, they have a new head coach, and there have been situations where bad teams make that cultural change and, and it settles down veteran players that may otherwise want to go somewhere else. I don't think it's a good sign at all that when you bring in a new GM and a new head coach, Buda Baker's not even willing to give it a chance. Get me out of here. I'm done. So there's been nothing communicated to him. Nothing has been said to him. He's seen nothing, heard nothing, felt nothing that makes him think this is going to turn around. And, uh, again, all due respect to the new hires they made there, they have to prove it. And I know there's only 32 of these jobs, but one of them necessarily is the worst. And right now it feels like the Cardinals are vying with the Texans as the worst overall football operation in the NFL. And I've got more hope for the Texans at this point, frankly, than I do for the Arizona Cardinals. Because we don't – not that the Texans have an abundance of veteran talent, but 
Laramie Tunsil didn't ask for a trade. He got a new contract, and he's staying put. So your veterans in Texas more likely to buy in and stick around and see if they can be part of the solution. In Arizona, like you mentioned, Murphy left for Minnesota via free agency. Hopkins wants out. Baker wants out. J.J. retired. like it's all crumbling. Yeah. And it may just be a matter of time, too, before number one starts making noise about wanting out as well. Uh, I'm not saying I, I haven't heard anything. I don't know anything. He's focused on rehabbing. But I'm just trying to project down the road, new regime, what's going to happen here as he gets more pressure on him and people are more willing to say what he needs to do. He may reach a breaking point and think the only way I'm ever going to be the best player I can be a guy who had lost three total games in high school and college combined. He goes a month now. And if he only loses three games, it's a good month in Arizona. Yeah. There may be a point where Kyler Murray starts talking about playing somewhere else too. It's, it's, it's unavoidable. Well, it's just, there's a lot of negative with Arizona right now. I I think you said it right. That's where it's different than Houston. Houston had a lot of negative for a long time, but they've kind of washed it away. And the D'Amico Ryan hire has like refreshed the franchise. That did not happen here with Jonathan Gannon. One, I mean, the way the Super Bowl ended and then the lack of answering questions, I think, made people a little sour on him coming in the door, to be quite honest, let alone not his fault here, but what you just brought up. He gets to come in the door and there's a report card that says, hey, the organization sucks, you know, and they're releasing it to the whole public. He gets to take over on that. Oh, great. Yeah, he gets to take over why everybody's realizing we're the crappiest organization of football. That's awesome. So he's had some things work against him that way. Maybe some his own doing, some not. And then, of course, what's gone on with Michael Bidwell and you know the whole situation there in the front office, offense, office, excuse me, allegedly, and all that stuff. So nothing. They've been able. They've not been able to grasp any positive vibe there. And and, and I feel bad for Jonathan Gannon in that aspect. And then I think you have a regime that's yeah. Monty Austin for and Gannon were there. Yeah, they want to flip things around. They want to change the culture. And some of these older guys are probably like, damn, I mean, we're going to have unproven guys and young, and it's going to be this crazy different culture, right? And I, I'm guessing that's why, you know, a guy like Buda Baker wants out of there. So we'll see, and good luck to him. Uh, from one chronically struggling franchise to another, and they had a joke on Weekend Update, and I'm going to butcher it. I'm not going to get it even close to verbatim, but it went like this. They found a 10,000-year-old scoreboard that was used by the Mayans at some archaeological dig, and when they dusted it off, the score was Mayans 24, Jets nothing. The New York Jets still trying to turn around. You're not even giving me a, you're not even giving me a courtesy chuckle. <laughs> not even something. I can't get anything out of you for that. I didn't completely destroy it the way I thought I was going to. I should at least get something for that. Maybe the joke wasn't funny. Right? Maybe <laughs> no, that's it was it. all right. I didn't write the joke. It was all right. Maybe it wasn't funny. It was good. Anyway, I'm trying to come up with a segue here. We're going from one crap team to another crap team. This one is at least trying to emerge from the crap by eventually trading for Oh, Aaron Rodgers. And last year they were promising. They were on a trajectory that was suggestive of a playoff berth until it all fell apart. I think the moment Brees Hall suffered his ACL tear week seven or thereabouts, that's when it really started to become complicated for the Jets. But but, uh, there's a question that emerged over the weekend, and I understand this time of year it's slow, and those of us in the business of talking about football have to find things to talk about. But there's been this this, – reporting, speculation, whatever, that the Jets made a competitive offer for Odo Beckham Jr. How close were they to signing him? Chris, look, I 
I, I apply common sense to situations like this. If it was even remotely close, he would have taken the visit last Monday. The Ravens came in and blew the doors off to get him to not even go to see the Jets. If it was a matter of a million here or 500000 there, he plays one against the other, he goes to see the Jets, and he tries to get it done that way. Right. My guess, and it's a guess based on doing this for 23 years, is the Ravens made him call and said, here's the offer and we'll pay it to you, and you know you can't go to the Jets. We're not letting you get in the building there and have them possibly try to convince you to sign for less or whatever. You want to come here, here's the number, take it or leave it. And uh, it was it was far more than what the Jets were willing to do, right. and he took it. I, right. It's just a no-brainer to me. I don't think it was close for the Jets at all. Just by virtue of the fact, as we discussed last week, in Baltimore he becomes the number one receiver. He would have been number three at best with the Jets. Yeah, right. He'd have been, you know, yeah, part of the group with the Jets. Exactly right. Now he can be the guy in, in Baltimore. So there's definitely that aspect on the field. No question has value there. You know, now, like close or whatever, I mean, hey, this is all, you know, let's just say this. Do I think the Jets wanted Odell Beckham Jr.? Yes, I do. Right. Not at $15 million a year, but do I think they really wanted him? Of course they did. I mean, they met with him in Arizona, and they were going to meet with him again in New York. So there was a want there, and I think, you know, by all due accounts, Odell Beckham Jr. had real interest there. So there was a real wanting to make this happen. Now, was it close? That's a different story, like you're saying. No, the Baltimore Raven is the Baltimore Ravens you know, uh, a contract offer was, you know, it blew people out of the water. Everybody in the football was talking about it, like, whoo, man, that's crazy. Whoa, they threw that kind of money out there for OBJ, right? I mean, it's risky as far as how his GMs think. But, yeah, they blew him out of the water, and I think you're right by that. They went, they went there, and once that offer got thrown out, they said, forget, you're not going to New York tomorrow, not with this offer we're making. And Odell Beckham Jr. couldn't turn down that type of money and that guarantee. So, yeah, I do think the Jets and Rodgers wanted them. I think OBJ probably wanted to be there too. But this just made more sense in all ways, and now he's a Baltimore Raven. We'll see where it goes from here. Do you think if all things were equal, the offers were the same, do you think he would have gone to the Jets? Factoring in yeah. that those incentives, that $3 million is tied to production, yards, catches, touchdowns. I'm not so sure he gets those in New York, or at least he's not as likely to get them in New York as he would be in Baltimore. But just look at the $15 million guaranteed. If it was just that much, do you think he would have gone to the Jets over the Ravens? I feel like I want to say yes. I do just because there's the Ravens are there's just too many questions, right? I think if it was apples to apples, I'd go, yeah, he'd go to the Jets, even though he might not be the man, but might not be the man might be better than not having a man throwing you the football at quarterback, let alone a offensive coordinator. That's, you know, you're going, well, I don't know how this is going to work in the NFL and everything here. I mean, I know he's been there before Todd Monken, but of course it's a new team and a new way they do stuff there in Baltimore. So and, like, even though part of the group, Mike, and I think you would agree with this because this is what you were kind of talking about when we were talking about Hopkins and OBJ a minute ago. Okay, you sign up with the group with the contracts are Apple Apple. Are, are we that crazy to think that, like, in week six that, like, we might all come to the determination along with the Jets and go, eh, hey, Garrett Wilson's good, but Odell Beckham Jr.'s better. He's the man. They're going to throw to him more. He's the guy. I don't think it's that crazy to think to have that thought, right? So I think if it was even, he'd have gone to the Jets, but that money was just too damn good to turn down Baltimore. 
And there's the whole New York, L.A. thing. He does of have course. a bigger city vibe. Right. And it was funny. He That's was asked right. on Thursday about what it's like for him to play in a town like Baltimore after playing most of his career in New York and L.A. And he said, well, I did play in Cleveland, too. So, he, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he ha- and it didn't go well. But that, see, that's the thing. That was the unspoken follow, the unasked question. He wasn't reminded of the fact that he really didn't want to be in Cleveland. He was resentful of the fact that Dave Gettleman, the former GM of the Giants, dumped him onto Cleveland yeah. without even letting him know. Remember, he was like in France or yeah, somewhere, he and Europe he gets somewhere. the phone call. Right. Yeah, that he'd been traded to the Browns. Like it seemed they, personal. They, see, that's the difference between quarterback and non-quarterback. You can't do that to a starting quarterback because the new team needs the starting quarterback to be all in. With the non-quarterback, they just move them around like pieces on a checkerboard. They just do it. They don't They don't think twice about it. If you don't like it, don't play. If you don't like it, pay back your signing bonus that's money. That's right. If you don't like it, walk right. away. Right. We're still doing this trade. We're not going to consult with you ahead of time. And that's exactly what the Giants did to the Browns. And I think that was the mistake from the Browns' standpoint. I think they made plenty of mistakes with Beckham. But I think mistake number one – Make sure this guy's Make sure he wants to be there, right. Before you trade for him. Exactly right. Yeah. Right. Make sure he wants to be there. Make right. sure that your quarterback, you know, that the town is big enough for both guys. From the moment he was traded, I thought the town's not big enough for Baker Mayfield and OBJ, and I think that turned it out turned out or turned it out as the case. Yeah, it be, did turn it out right. You're the right case. there. <laughs> turned it out. It turned it out pretty good. All right. Uh I broke it in your toy, as uh Switkowski said in the remake of the longest yard. And I broke it in your nose. Here's Quentin Williams. He's not going to be breaking anything at the off season program. I guess that's good. They don't have to worry about him throwing weights through the wall, which he's capable of doing. As he said himself, I look, I I understand again. We got a certain the newsbreakers have to check boxes and placate their producers and their editors. And, oh, I broke this. Oh, I broke that. Oh, I broke this. It's not really breaking news that Quinn and Williams isn't going to show up for the offseason program day because he's already said without a new contract he wasn't showing up. So if he doesn't have a new contract, he's not showing up. We don't have to cite unnamed sources for the fact that he's not showing up. He's already said, folks, he's not showing up. So <laughs> big splash early Monday. Uh. Per sources, Quinnen Williams will not be attending the offseason program. No, he doesn't have a new contract. And this gets back to something I said with Devin White, and I've said it with others. By the time you get to year five, if you are the guy and you're at year five, fifth-year option on that round one rookie contract, the other side of the rookie wage scale that protects teams against a bust, making far more money than he ever will have earned. Right. The other side of that is when you scratch off a lottery ticket and it's a winner, That's don't right. play games, pay the guy. Agreed. A hundred percent. And this guy's a special player. Like we saw, I mean, Mike, he was one of those guys like, you know, all Sunday last year, every Sunday. Oh, the Quentin Williams again. Oh, Quentin Williams again. I mean, it was, he's definitely in the combo for one of the best D tackles in football, Right. And he's looking at a guy who was in the same draft as him and Jeffrey Simmons and going, okay, wait, he's making 23-5? You know, Deron Payne just signed, you know, you know, he got franchised, right? Deron Payne, I don't know, Deron Payne got his contract. But he, but he signed 22 and 22 a half. 22 and a half, yes, you're right. Okay, yep. So, so, you know, he's looking at that going, wait, I'm in that class of player right there. 
So I don't know if he gets the same amount of money Jeffrey Simmons has, who's been kind of the cream of the crop of that 2019 draft class, but he certainly deserves to be right up there in that conversation. And, uh, yeah, the Jets got to pay that guy. He's, he's homegrown. He's the third pick of the draft. He's done everything right. He's continued to work and get better. It wasn't perfect at first. But, damn, why wouldn't you want to pay, pay him and take advantage of what he's starting to become right now, which is one of the best defensive tackles in football? And if I'm one of these fifth-year guys that has yet to get what I should have gotten on the way in, because I'm not one of the busts, I'm not one of the guys that's a problem, I'm not one of the guys that has taken away money that could go to others, I'm one of the guys who had my pocket picked, and it's yet to be replenished, even though I've earned my money, I've earned my keep, and look, the closer you are to the ball, the closer you are to the fray, to the scrum, to that cluster of bodies, that... 3D twister game where, you know, the stakes are a lot more serious than everybody fell down and laughed. I mean, you get seriously injured when those bodies get all churned up. I I, I think that your, your long-term and short-term health interests and yeah. the fact that you're just one snap away from having it all go away, right. it makes it even more imperative to draw a line in the sand. And, and look, it's just the early stage of the offseason program. I don't know how much pressure it puts on a team. It becomes more interesting at training camp. If these guys don't show up for training camp, these fifth-year guys who have yet to get their contracts, will they be there when you're talking about a significant daily fine? And that's one of the things the NFL has kind of quietly done yeah. in recent CBAs, makes it harder for guys to exercise their right to not show up. I, I think we've we've evolved past that crusty get-off-my-lawn It is rant. You've signed a contract. You have to honor your contract. Oh, I know. Kiss my butt over that. second contract gives you rights. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's a CBA that gives you rights. The problem is those rights have quietly eroded. It's gotten more expensive. Just the whole thing about when teams can waive fines, how much the fines are. There's just there's different factors that make it a more expensive proposition yeah, for right. guys to hold out in training camp, and we'll see if it gets to that for Quinn and Williams, Christian Wilkins, and others who are trying to get that contract they deserve. Dexter Lawrence, yeah, uh, same, not the same boat. He's got, he's in, yeah, he's yeah, they're all also. in the same damn class. I know, yeah, yeah, that's a, some draft class right there. It really is, but no, I, I think you said it right. And it is kind of BS with how they've set that up and like chopped a leg off a a, a, a leg of you know. Only the few the players have as far as bargaining chips are concerned, it is. But the unintended consequence, Mike, and I, I think we, we, we've talked about this before, is I, I think the hold-in is a good thing. The hold-in is like, I like the hold-in. The hold-in is actually good for the player. I, I do. And I actually think in a lot of ways it puts pressure on the organization that they didn't realize they were going to have. That guy's around, he's pissed off, he's in your locker room telling everybody how crappy you guys are and not paying them. And, and he's your best player, and he ain't practicing. Your team doesn't look as good. And he's sitting there reminding you every day as he's sitting over there. You're going, damn, our defense would look a lot better out here if he was in there right now. Damn, damn, damn. So, And then what does the player get to do? He gets to work and still mentally engage and stay in shape. So, you know, that has been one thing that I think was an unintended consequence that I like. Uh, but, yeah, it still is kind of BS the way they've set up these fines for these guys. But still, for the holding, the team has to play along to a point. And we saw it last year finally reach a boiling point with the Bears and Roquan Smith. It was like, dude, season's starting. You're either going to play or you're not going to play. And we got close to it with T.J. Watt in Pittsburgh a couple of years ago. Like, at some point, you got to go get your helmet. At some point, 
we need to get ready for the season. We have games. The holding doesn't extend into week one, week two, week three. You can't have it both ways where you show up and you're here and the team likes that. He's here. We know where he is. We can talk to him anytime we want. He's in our building. He's under our umbrella, but he's not doing anything. But if the team wants to play hardball, I think that's the next step. There's going to be one of these hold-ins where the team starts finding the guy for conduct detrimental, finding him for refusing to work, not just accepting it. Because once you're there, it's hard to leave. Once you show up, it's hard to walk out the door. Back to DeAndre Hopkins. There was a time early in his career with the Texans where he wasn't happy with his contract. And there was a question he held out. And it was like he was there just long enough that the Texans were, I think, considering arguing he had showed up. Because once you leave, again, the dynamic changes. You can land on the left squad list. You can be shut down for the whole year. It's just part of the game that gets played under the CBA. But you're right. Right. For now, the safe harbor is the hold in. And maybe that's what these guys will do. They'll show up, but they just won't do anything. And we'll wait to see if they get their contract. But, But the ultimate leverage is, at some point, we still have your rights for this year. At some point, we have to go play football. Yeah. No. And uh, if they don't work it out, these guys have to at some point go play or they, they get into some other issue. And and I think we, you know, we're still early in this process. At some point, it's going to happen yeah. where somebody shows up, holds in, stare down, and yeah. lines get drawn, and right. it's going to end up being a, a big, ugly mess that we'll cover every it step seems, of the way. It seems like we're going that way. And I know we're going to break here, too, but you're right. And, and with this scenario, I'd be shocked if it got to this point with this guy. Right, this guy, Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, right? These are like this is great problems. You hit, you hit the jackpot, teams. You hit it. You drafted the right guy. You developed them the right way. It's everything we always hear about. Pay the damn guys. That, that's these, and then they're both fit the scheme and the way they want to play. And so I, I would hope that it doesn't get to that point. Is all I'm saying. And I know we got to go to break. Here's the other side of it, too. If you're going to hand $60 million this year, I know the cap number is going to be a lot lower. It doesn't matter. They're going to cut checks in the amount of $60 million to Aaron Rodgers at age 39 going on 40, who's never played for the Jets in his life. That's great. That's great. But you can't ignore the guys who are forming the nucleus that will help Aaron Rodgers be the best he can be. And if I'm Quinnen Williams, I'm more determined to get fairly compensated if they're given $60 million to a guy who's pushing 40 to come in and try to elevate the team to the next level. I'm the guy that's helped get them to the level where there is a next level to elevate to, so they need to get him taken care of. All right, let's take a break. The Vikings took care of Dalvin Cook a couple of years ago. That contract still looming, driving a wedge. Where does it go from here for the Vikings and Dalvin Cook? We'll discuss that next on this Monday edition of PFT. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well... 
Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.